What up, what up, what up? We are live. Thank you for joining us for another episode of In the Huddle. We heard your feedback. We needed to add a bit more optimism to the show. So we got Flip in the building. Miles not talking about Bradbury. We're going to talk some new signings, talk a little Vikings. Come back, join us on the other side of the rolling. Huddle Around as Climbing the Pocket Network presents Jason and the Boys talking everything Minnesota Vikings. What up, what up, what up? We are back. It is in the huddle. We got the crew, and we're just going to jump right into it. My man, Flip, it's been a minute. How you doing? How you been? I'm doing well. It's great to be in the middle seat where we had Dr. Eric Eager last week. So let's see how things go this time. There we go. You know, Dr. Eric Eager put up some numbers flips. So, you know, there's no pressure, bro. No pressure. Yeah, you got to come heavy. You got to come strong. My man, Miles, how you doing? How you been? What up? What up? I'm good. All right. And last but certainly not least, the man, the myth, the legend, producer Dave, flying in. How you doing? Doing great. We got another offensive lineman to talk about. Woohoo. Your favorite thing. Yeah, man. Well, let's hop in. Before we get to the show, I see that we got Sean, Brian, yeah, Raymond, Bo, Vikings, Jerome, Dan, Linda. How y'all doing? Thanks for joining us. Let us get in to it. We're making our way through the Vikings offseason, and uh, we're at that place now where the Vikings sign a player and everyone has to immediately scramble to their website of choice to figure out who that person is, where they played before, are they any good? And so we're, we're now, you know, we've been asking, we've been asking the Vikings to do something about the offensive line, and we're broke. So they've been trying, but they've been hitting the bargain bin heavy. You know, we tried to get, what was it, Ryan, Ryan Poles? No, that's that's the GM. Who was the dude that we were mad that Ryan we lost Bates. that nobody knew about a week ago? Bates. There we Bates. go. Ryan, that Ryan, Ryan Bates. Now, that there we weren't we, going to get anyways because yeah. the, bill, the bills were Yeah, made. that nobody knew about. Magic. But we were all very yeah. upset about. Bills got him back. But we got one, Miles. We got one. We got our man in here, Mr. Davis, who's going to compete with the other Mr. Davis. And so... Miles, I'll throw it to you first. We got some more competition on the offensive line. How are you feeling about this side? I'm just going to start by saying I called this the second he got cut by the Miami. I, I said that keep an eye on the Vikings. Uh, so, yeah, um, I think I think it's fine. I, I think we overreact too much to uh, to some of these types of signings. I think I think Vikings fans specifically have this like have a uh, like a nightmare scenario of offensive linemen. And I think everyone's scared of like anyone new that's not like high end or elite or well-known. That means they're bad. And I'm not going to sit here and say Jesse Davis has been good. That That's that's one thing I'm not going to do. But I, I think we overreact too much to like, I guess, like how bad, because what he did for Miami, he was asked to do a lot of, to play a lot of different positions. So he wasn't, um, he wasn't always stuck in one spot, so I don't think he got to, like, he was truly a, a utility offensive lineman for the Dolphins. Like I said, not all of it was great. Specifically, offensive tackle was not very good, but the the times he got to play 
at right guard, he was actually pretty decent. Um, probably in that, like, I guess you could compare it to maybe like, maybe like a uh, Josh Klein type of type of player at that. Like maybe, maybe just slightly less than that um, from back, back in 2019. So he's a big guy. I think um, he's, he's a guy that, you know, I know one thing that we we've been worried about with our interior offensive line is how small they they've normally been. He's like six six three twenty, so he's not small. He's a big dude, um, and there is some versatility. Like I, like I said, I don't think he's very good at some of the other positions. But if in a pinch you had to move him to a tackle or uh, uh, or the or left guard, you could you could do it, and you could know that he knows the plays and he could he can effectively do his job. I'm not saying he'd do it and he'd do it great, but he could get the job done. Um, which is which isn't e- which isn't an, an easy thing to find. Utility offensive lineman is not an easy position to find because not every guy can go in and move from the left side to the right side to the right side left side like that. That type of stuff isn't an easy thing to do, and so um, I kind of commend him for that and and being willing to do that when he was with Miami. So I think he could bring a little bit of that to to the Vikings, but obviously I think the the start will be at right guard. And uh, Dave. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know the reason you're still hanging out over here on the left oh, yeah. is that uh, we're talking, we're talking offensive line. So I know you weren't just going to go and disappear into the back. Have you Not had a chance to look at this. any of these dudes? Have you had a chance to look at any of these guys? When you're thinking about Jesse Davis, uh, is there anything that stands out that gives you hope that uh, he and could be the piece that we've been looking for on the offensive line? When I looked and I looked at his PFF grades, his grades Pass blocking from the right guard are decent. They're over 60. Rest of his grades are in the 50s, no matter what. I suspect that he right now is penciled in as the right guard starter. However, like uh, um, Coach said this morning, here it is, I'll move him out of the way, that... uh, He's not being handed the job, and he will compete for it, which is what I want to see. Now, he's going to compete, most likely, with Wyatt Davis and possibly Ole Udo. Whoever doesn't win that job is going to be a backup swing guy, which I'm cool with. Whether it be Udo, whether it be um, Jesse Davis, that's fine. I think Wyatt Davis, if he doesn't win, it's still going to be, you know, second or third on the depth chart. So it is what it is. I look forward to the competition. Hopefully he can pull this one off and improve that offensive line. Also talk from the coach was how they're trying to, with the new scheme and the new offense, make it easier for them as well to do the things they need to do to keep the offense rolling, whether it be pass protection or running. So I think it's a good thing. I look forward to seeing it during the flip camps. So flip, where are you at with it? You know, we've got some signings, you know, we got some new offensive linemen coach basically said, Hey, it could be a lot worse. There are some teams out there looking to replace three or four guys on their offensive line. We only got to fix one, which lends a lot of credence to what Miles has been telling us all offseason, that Miles was actually called negative for last week for trying to tell y'all that Bradbury was probably going to be the guy at center next year. So, like, 
with the way things are going and the, with what the Vikings are doing here, uh, how are you feeling about this direction on the offensive line? And are you feeling like this unit, this much maligned unit, the unit that tends to be blamed when anything goes wrong on the offense, do you feel like they're going to be able to rise to a level of competence for the next season? Yeah, I, you know, I don't think fans need to back down. They certainly didn't fix the one that they needed to fix, and that was Garrett Bradbury. I, we can go back on other things Miles said. Miles said last year that the tackles in the center mattered more than the guards. So I don't think this signing, it's a one-year signing. It's not something that's going to make me feel better. I don't treat the free agency like like bubble wrap, like most Vikings fans do, where all you got to do is pop all the needs, pop all the bubbles on the team, and this this thing is fixed. But um, I'm happy. I'm happy they're looking to have competition, a mix of veterans and and young players all fighting it out for the spots on the team because they don't need to do that just at guard. They need to do it all over the roster. I will say the one thing I'm looking at is always the price tag. And that is, you know, Miles comparing Jesse Davis to kind of like a, a Josh Klein light type player. Well, Rick and Zim gave Josh Klein three years, $15 million when we signed him. And he only saw one. But of they cut years. him after. So I was just going to say, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and they just cut him out. So if you're going to go with a Josh Klein type stopgap, then it's a lot better to give him a one year, $3 million deal than, you know, $15 million on a three year deal like the past regime would have done. So overall, really happy about this. All right. I love it. And so, yeah, I guess we'll just have to see because, you know, there's only so much past performance can predict a bit of a future performance, but. You know, when we start to look at things, the Vikings right now, in one regard, they're allocating not that much of their resources to the offensive line. When we talk about how much we're spending at the moment, our offensive line is pretty damn cheap, which is one of the things that, you know, we're not going to beat up on Kirk Cousins. This isn't a trashing Kirk Cousins thing. This is just the reality of team building. We have some expensive veteran players. You got to look for value elsewhere. The offensive line still seems to be one of those places where, you know, new regime, similar, we'll say, not same as old regime but is looking to fix that offensive line as cheaply as possible, especially across I, the interior, which say, they should. I would say it's a two-year project. I would say, you know, it looks like they're going to see what they have. You got to keep in mind, they haven't been on the practice field with these players yet. And sure, they're doing tape steady. Sure, they have an idea of how they want to use them in the scheme. But it looks to me like there is a there's a desire to just wait it out, wait through the offseason, get them in mini camp, training camp. And then if they need, if they're like, oh, damn, we need a center, we'll see if they have the cap space to go get a center at that point. So, you, from your perspective, do you see them allocating any of their draft resources maybe in the later rounds to bring in some competition there? Or are you saying that you see the guys that we have as being kind of good enough to get us into camp? And then, you know, if things go sideways, we kind of see what we need to do. I mean, on the interior between Udo, Schlotman, Bradbury, uh, Davis, Davis, I- I'm okay with that. It's not great, but 
I'm okay with them fighting it out. And sure, they can add a day three pick, but what's the sixth round offensive lineman really going to do? I mean, in year one, probably not that much, but you can go and look. I can't remember who released it. I can't remember who released it this week, but basically someone looked at surplus value in the draft. And generally with your interior offensive lineman, you're getting them a little bit later in the draft. You're probably not going to get that value in year one. But if you're saying it's a multi-year thing, you know, it could potentially be something that makes sense for the Vikings down the road, if not something that's going to pay dividends for them in in, in year one. So with that said, Offensive line is the one that we've been talking about the most. Davis has got the most press, the most ink, the most things that I've seen written. Is there anyone else that the Vikings have added recently? Miles, you got your hand up all respectful like. I'm going to you. What's up? <laughs> well, I was going to go back to the offensive line real quick. So, like, like Kirk Cousins, we expect Kevin O'Connell to, like, help either mask or improve some of the small deficiencies that he has in his game, right? And, like, we're we're hoping that he could bring out the best parts of Kirk Cousins and and lower some of the like w- bad parts of Kirk. Can we not have some sort of expectation of that with the offensive line and the scheme? Like that's my only question. I, Cause I know we, we harp on like the old regime and Rick Spielman specifically on how he missed a lot on the, on the offensive line. And I'm not saying it's that's wrong, but more so the new regime has come in and looked at the offensive line and they've said, we have a left tackle, a left guard, a center and a right tackle solidified, whether we agree with it or not. That's what they've come in and said. They said right guard's the only position we don't feel settled with yet, which, fine, we brought in a veteran and Jesse Davis. We brought in a, a guy that could be competition to Wyatt Davis, and we'll see what they do with Oli Udo. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes the new Rashad Hill. But either way, um, the new regime came in and has so far has said that that's what, how they view the offensive line. So if we're taking that same stance with a Kirk Cousins, with a Justin Jefferson – like we expect him to make him Cooper Cup and all those things. Can we not have a little bit of that expectation with a new regime to trust a little bit that maybe they have the idea, they have an idea of what they want to do? I'm, it's just a question, Flip. I'm not, I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just more so saying yeah. if we can have these, if we, if we, if we can put these expectations on them to fix other parts of, of the football team, why can't the offensive line be a similar, a similar thing? I just I think it just I mean, goes they, back to what we've seen in the offseason right now. Because like the way you frame that, if we can expect Justin Jefferson to be elevated, if we can expect Kirk Cousins to be elevated, honestly, I don't expect any of that, especially in year one for a first time play caller. I think there's still a lot of growing pains that are gonna happen at I quarterback agree. and I agree. At wide receiver. So that definitely is not something we can expect from the from the offensive line. So uh, I just I the whole the whole coach him up thing that they're saying. I understand that they've said that said that repeatedly. I understand that's how they're trying to phrase this offseason, but I just don't buy it. So are the Vikings going to be any good in twenty twenty two? Flip because I, I said it, it before. He- I said it before twenty twenty one. Where what what position have they actually improved? Edge, and that might be not even like I think Zayary Smith, and that's probably about it. So that's it. They've yeah. added. Did you know Hunter coming back added, since we thought he was leaving? Well, we can't. They've do added that one upgrade. 
every year we're like, hey, so this person's coming back from injury. That's an upgrade. <laughs> I mean, well, isn't that what so we're doing with Zedarius too, though? <laughs> I, yeah. And, and but he that's was on a the maybe. Zedarius is a maybe. <laughs> I mean, he's at least super cheap. Mm-hmm. He he's super cheap. I think that's like one of the best bargain deals of, that any team in the league has done with a player of his caliber. Like I'm, and we don't know if he's going to end up right. staying healthy or not. But the I think the gamble that you take with the structure of that deal is probably arguably the best one we've seen in the league. And I don't I don't talk like that lightly about especially the Vikings. I try not to make like give them too much kudos. But like the structure of that deal is a robbery. Because even if he doesn't, like, obviously you want him to be healthy and, and to play well. But if for some reason he doesn't, you can get out of that contract very easily. Um, and he's super cheap right now. And so it, it's, it's a really kind of a win-win situation for them right now. And right, that's, so flip that's the, Have we improved in any, in any positions? So we say quarterback, push. That means the same room as last year. Running back, push. Same room as last year. Wide receiver, at this point, push, same room as last year. Offensive line, maybe improvement because of how bad right guard was last year. Maybe. Slight improvement. You gonna give me that one? No? Okay, no, so we're not going, we're not going with offensive line. We don't. Tight end. Uh I'm, we I'm, don't know because we're Earl Smith is Johnny, coming back from Johnny injury. Munn? Yeah. There, there we go. Johnny we don't Munn's know. Than uh, okay. Munn. We don't know. Which is, well, yeah. which no, is my entire point Ellison. on this offseason is, is yeah. fans are so focused on what they're saying. They hear the word competitive rebuild. They hear the first word. They don't hear the second. And what, what, what's the old adage? Actions speak louder than words. So, so what are they actually doing? And how can we learn? Instead of setting expectations based on what they're saying, what can we learn based on what they're doing. They're basically bringing back a team with the same talent level at 70% of the cost. So that to me says rebuild and people are saying, well, they said they're going to be competitive. So we must sign a quarter cornerback. So we must fix the offensive line. I don't see any of that in their actions. They, they seem content with taking it easy and playing it slow and doing things on the cheap, which is great. That's what we want. So what do you see? Just like build on that for me, Flip. What do you see as like, we won't say like the five-year plan. What do you see as being the three-year plan? And I guess we can start it with this draft. Like if we're building, based on what you're seeing, what are you looking forward and thinking that we're going to see from the Vikings when it comes to how they tackle this draft? That maybe is different than the old regime, maybe it's not. It's just your best guess on what you expect to see based on the actions that they've taken thus far and not, of course, what they've been saying to us so far. Yeah. Uh, my best guess is when it, when it comes to the draft is that, you know, they continue to look for flexibility. Flexibility not just in cap space, but on what position they look for in the draft. So my expectation is a trade down or they go best player available, whether that's an edge rusher or a cornerback or a wide receiver or a quarterback. It could be any of those is really open for them to draft. Could be running back. Um, I'm just kidding. kidding. Don't put that out there. Yeah. Don't put that out there. And And I think, and I'll go further than the draft because 
I think with a lot of these in-place veterans, they've changed their timing. So they're not looking to trade them necessarily for 2022 draft picks. But if they get in camp and they're like, this guy doesn't fit the scheme, or if they get in training camp and somebody else's star safety goes down, that's when I think the Vikings start to make a move to start to accrue 2023 draft capital and get even more flexibility as they slowly move through this rebuild. Can we can we expand right. on that a little bit, Jason? Yeah, absolutely. The one thing I one thing the one thing I wanted to mention about like you mentioned like a two to three year like plan with the with the new with the new regime is how it's setting up the way you're setting it up perfectly. Flip is the Vikings would like to. In 2022, the Vikings brass wants to prove whether they were right or wrong about Mike Zimmer. They want to know whether it was because because it sound it really does feel like they they feel it was all the coaching and Mike Zimmer and the old regime was the main problem, right? Because if they didn't, they wouldn't have brought 95 percent of those players back. But they clearly they clearly do think that approach. So they're taking that approach. Fine, right? It's it's year one. They want to see how, how things can go with those with the the talent that they do have. But to Flip's point, they're keeping some flexibility. Not in, they, They've lost some of that cap flexibility in 2023 by the Kirk extension. Depending on what they do with Zedary Smith, Daniil Hunter will, will be either due or uh, traded, whatever. We don't know what will happen there. Adam Phelan's likely here next year based off the restructure. Um, and, th- and they'll have to potentially re-sign a few guys. Like uh, if, if Garrett Bradbury plays well, and they don't pick up his option. Irv Smith is a uh, is in his fourth year. Um, but the, what what we're setting up for is a potential run at a quarterback in twenty twenty three. That's what it feels like. And the difficult part, though, the the point you brought up that ping that for me, Flip, is accruing um, assets for twenty twenty three. They haven't done anything yet. We haven't seen that yet. But I, if in the draft, let's say some of the quarterbacks are available at twelve, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, for example, want to move up. We don't want your 2022 picks. Give us your 2023 picks and let us load up for next year so that – because next year, if people aren't recognizing it across the league, it's setting up for an arms race for the quarterback for the quarterbacks for next year. You can see, I think, the, the Giants I'm, – I'm, I'm list off a few teams I'm trying to think of here. The Giants, the Vikings, the Seahawks, uh, potentially the Steelers. We don't know what they're going to do yet. Um, the Titans. Um, like a lot of these types of teams, the Saints maybe even too, are teams that we could see trying to load up so that they can get that quarterback because they think next year's quarterback crew crop is better than this one. And so they want to wait it out in the next year. So I think next year's the year where teams are going to be being more aggressive in the in that race. And so where do the Vikings sit on that? Because the one thing that I think we're gonna we can expect is with ownership they need to have someone in place before they're willing to move on from Kirk Cousins. And I don't want to get down that whole rabbit hole. We still have two years with Kirk. Fine, right? Like, that's what they decided to do. But they might want to, yeah. you know, pull up. I, I hate doing the Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith thing, but, like, a similar idea. Draft Bar, the guy, let him sit Steve free. Young, Joe Montana. They, all, all these guys <laughs> they value right stability at quarterback. They value yes. stability at yes. quarterback. Yeah. They do. And so maybe, maybe they're trying to set themselves up so that in 2024 – and beyond, that's when they're going to have to pay a Justin Jefferson 30, 30 plus million dollars a year, and they're going to have to go cheap at quarterback because if you're going to pay a player like Justin Jefferson quarterback money, you probably can't also then pay a, a top end quarter quarterback top end money either. So 
you're going to have to pick and choose in that route. And so that I feels like that's what they're setting themselves up for in the next couple of years. See what, see how the next two years yeah. go and then start that rebuild now, like you mentioned earlier, Flip. Yeah, again, it's it's what can we learn from what they're doing and the way that they're signing all these people while evading the comp pick formula to to try to generate even a small <laughs> competitive advantage there, which I know Miles likes. I know Miles is on that comp pick strategy. It's um you start I need, I need something. <laughs> yeah, you start to understand that like it's again, everything's just been moving slow. They've kept, they've kept the the old scouts in place for this draft, and I really think that things are going to happen when they're actually time to spend time with these players, and that's how they structure their offseason. It's let's not do anything rash until we can see these players at least in practice. The biggest mistake that happened in the Rick Zim era is that when that team when that version of the Vikings made a bet, there was no backup plan. They were screwed if they missed on Mike Zimmer's one-year defensive rebuild. They were screwed when they tied themselves to Kirk Cousins on the second extension. They had no fallback plan. If this bet fails, if the bet they're making on 2022 fails, they still can build in 2023 in a way that makes sense with the roster they've set up and the cap flexibility that they've given themselves. So Lauren, Lauren T just asked a question is like, how do we know we'll improve after the dress, uh, the draft, this is the, the new regime first draft. Most rookies take time to make a real impact. And that's very true. Uh, Like this is the time everyone's very optimistic. We expect, Hey, we're going in the draft, but every, every franchise, every fan base thinks they're going to go into the draft. We're all going to draft the best players. We're going to come out and be great. But, I mean, the reality is is most draft picks fail uh, or aren't big contributors in their first year. So I guess the question I'd have for you, we, we had someone, uh, you know, on the, in, in the, the Facebook comments basically say, you know, hey, next week. And it was Raymond. Raymond, shout out to Raymond. I think I saw you in the, uh, the, the comments earlier. But Raymond was like, talk to me about the players who were here last year. You know, we, we joke a lot about you know, all of the picks that Rick always wants to make. And not many of those players saw significant playing time in this past season. And so uh, we're not going to go by the numbers because I went and did that. Um, there's a great article uh, that PFF did. And that was just actually a bit depressing, whereas like, you know, players who aren't good year one, like what percentage of them end up being good later on? And it's like 20%. But we're just going to go, I'm going to ask each of you, give me one. One player who didn't see significant time last year or did see time and was bad last year that you expect to make a leap in this coming year and be a contributor and actually be a player that we're not embarrassed to see on the field. Flip, I'm going to go to you first. Oh, no, we got We got to go to Miles first. He's he's the draft. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, so the, yeah, the one thing I'll say about that that's tough, Jason, is what we don't know is where they slot in some of these players from, from the old regime, especially last year's draft class, because we know how, how they tried to draft last year. They tried to draft for filling depth and need, and they obviously they didn't care about the future. It was more about we need to make sure we can fix ourselves for now because we don't want to get fired, and, well, that happens, so that's too late. But So there are a few guys that didn't get a lot of playing time that we don't know exactly where they slot in, but if there is a place for them, a guy that I kind of am curious about 
um, is Patrick Jones. I don't know. I don't fully view him as like an outside linebacker, but is he the kind of guy that you ask to bulk up a little bit and maybe he can play more of a DN role in the three, four scheme. Um, and I don't like, that's the, that's the question. I don't know. I don't know if he's as athletic enough to play that stand up outside linebacker role that they might ask him to, to play. So he's the kind of guy that I'm, I'm a little bit curious about where he may, maybe he slots in or maybe like flip mentioned earlier, maybe they just in camp, it doesn't feel like a fit. Maybe another team's willing to throw you a late round pick for him and you send him on his way. Like that, that could be a possibility because the one thing we got to remember is they, this regime did not draft those players. So we got to keep an eye on like, maybe there's a, maybe there's a few guys that they really like. Maybe there's some guys that just don't fit. Flip. Yeah. I mean, the They're easiest not drafting way to anymore. have a They're short... players now. They're players. <laughs> the easiest way to have a short NFL career is to be bad your rookie season and then have a new coach in your second season. So uh, there's a lot of guys I'm not too optimistic about. I will say that I always have to hope that Kene Wongu just blows them out of the water in camp and makes maybe some of the players ahead of him on the depth chart tradable. I'd like to see him get a chance. I think my expectation is for Amir Smith-Marset just because, mm-hmm. you know, he's wide receiver four on the depth chart right now. We're going to a scheme that uses wide receivers more often and they haven't addressed wide receiver yet. And they just with where their picks are in the draft, he's going to at least have a competition for that fourth wide receiver spot. So I think upside along our receiver core with ISM is my expectation. All right. I love it. And we got some, uh, you know, Wyatt Davis still has a strong fan contingency in the comments. ISM, Ian giving a shout out to Surratt, thinking that he's going to come through and, uh, you know, maybe show out in the new scheme, get in there, get some time and, uh, and be able to do a little something. So as always, always hope springs eternal for the young guys that we haven't seen before. And uh, another position that we're expecting to be pretty young at because we don't really have any established players there at the moment is cornerback. And I know, Flip, you've been pretty well sick and tired of everyone pigeonholing the Vikings <laughs> into bringing, sa- bringing veteran players in at cornerback, using all your early round picks on cornerback. Um, and so, yeah, Flip, I'm going to go to you first because your take is like the more controversial one when you kind of look around the Vikings blogosphere, people talking about the team, is you know there's a need, but you also aren't going to do what we kind of saw the old regime do, which is like, hey, that's the pick. That's the thing. We have to do that. Um, so how do the Vikings address cornerback this offseason? Yeah, it's just a lot of people um, focused on the thinking that the old regime used. I think the first thing you have to say is, yes, cornerback is a need. The, the, the next comment, the next question is, is that need fillable right now? Can they find a CB1 right now? Um, And my answer is, at best, the answer to that is maybe. You don't know if a round one cornerback, you can't just assume he's going to be CB1. That's just not how it works. We've seen that happen And you can't assume that with Dantzler either. You can't assume that with Dantzler. You need somebody to step up. You probably need, even if you sign a veteran on a one-year deal, 
that's not going to fix CB1 in a way that makes you build long term. So it's a two year fix. No matter what you do right now, it's a two year fix. And if they go out and get your impression of a CB1, all they're going to do is be overpaying for something that you think needs to happen. This, this regime has been obsessed with affordability and bargain so far. So I just don't see the need to sign a CB1 to draft a cornerback in the first round as something that's going to help the Minnesota Vikings more than getting a second round cornerback or signing a cheap veteran on a two to three year contract. That move to me is just as valuable as getting a, oh, this guy is our CB1 now. That doesn't, I just don't have that passion and emotion around that signing. So Miles then, like with, with Flipstot in mind, uh, where are we going to get the bodies then? Even if we're not going to, uh, to have a top tier guy or we're not shoehorning, what are, what are your thoughts on how we should just address getting enough people in there to play the position so that when the season starts, we can field people playing cornerback? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're done adding in, in free agency. To Flip's point, I don't think we're going to see them. I don't think they can afford to go and spend a lot of money on a cornerback right now. And I, I think they tried earlier with maybe Darius Williams at free agency and they missed. He wanted to go home. Fine, right? But in general, I, don't, I just don't think the guys are out there. I also don't think they have the money to, to throw out to a, to give a Patrick Peterson another $8 million again. They don't have that kind of cash. And they probably shouldn't. It's not it's not anything against Patrick Peterson. If they can bring him back at, you know, three to four million dollars, great. But they can't bring him back at seven, eight, nine million dollars like they did last year. That's just not a reality for this team. And so um the distinguish between like C B one to like they need they just need stable but like good players. I I think Cincinnati's a good a good like uh a good barometer to like to view as like they have a lot of guys. And some of them played better than than their previous places, and but the Bengals added guys in free agency on on good bargain deals, and they just brought in bodies. They brought in lots of bodies, and they they're like, who can stick? Is there a few guys that can play? And they ended up getting you know pretty good competition, but also good play out of out of those guys. And so, I think the Vikings could add another body or two on the cheap, but guys that have a little bit of a track record, I don't see a, a problem with that. I think that's no problem. And then and then like to your point, flip. Use the draft. Don't don't make the draft like don't force a pick with like a, a position in the draft. And that's the one thing that I've struggled with over the years. We always knew where the Vikings were going to go in the draft under Rick Spielman because he set himself up to do that, but in a way that made him almost like have to reach on certain players because of certain positions he made he created the needs for heading into the draft, and so. I'm always a proponent of draft the best players available. Like just draft the best players because you want to bring talent into your football team and figure out where they slot in later. Just bring in talent. And so you should never pigeon your, yourself, pull yourself into one position in the draft. And the Vikings also don't have the luxury of being that type of team that can just need one player. We don't need one player. We need multiple contributors and players to develop and be solid. So I don't like just saying at 12, the Vikings have to go cornerback. Well, let's see what happens and how the board falls and, and, and that stuff. So, 
Well, there's a couple great comments in, comments in here right that now. I just wanted to make sure we get to. Just hold on. I w- a couple comments because uh, uh, Todd has had a, a, a couple questions in here um, kind of regarding like who we're going to start at right guard and, and the fact that like we kind of seem to be okay with like them going bargain basement at a position that we've consistently struggled at for a while. So I definitely want you all to get to this one. But Steve Klein has now made multiple comments and is very upset with the fact that we're characterizing the spending of the Vikings as, as being cheap or that we have no money. Um, and so earlier, the comment was that, like, the Vikings are just trying to balance the checkbook, which if we want to use that analogy, that's fine. But they have to do it in a frugal fashion because they don't have a surplus. So, like, when we say on the cheap, they don't have a lot of money to throw around. The- they can't be frivolous. They have to be very judicious. So I wanted to get you all to, to chime in and give your takes on on some of these things that have been popping up in the comments. Well, I mean, so, the Vikings have signed eight yeah. players, what, eight or nine players. That's 24th in the NFL. Their average per year for these contracts are 21st in the NFL this offseason. Their total guarantees are 25th in the NFL this offseason. I, I, I mean, how do you want to classify cheap? How do you want to quantify cheap, Steve, if that's not just the fact of what's happening right now? Well, and to that point too, Flip, they, it's not just about like the how being frugal. They don't they they don't have the cap space to go sign three or four mid to high level free agents. They don't. When you when you have to talk about having to, you need like four million around roughly three to four million dollars for draft for um, um, your draft picks. You need probably another three to four for in season uh, IR and like in season moves. So that's that's like close to like eight million dollars right there, just for that, and then you need another like five to six to seven to make maybe another couple of depth moves in free agency. Like people see like fifteen to twenty million dollars in cap space and they think spend all of it on free agency. They don't have the luxury. You don't have the luxury to do that. And if people are like, well, then just go kick the can down the road with Eric Hendricks and Dalvin Cook. Well, that's just you're just adding more money into future years to do what fill in lesser talent now like there isn't like that's why when we say lack of flexibility there truly is a lack of cap flexibility right now because the old regime put them in a tough spot and it's clear that the new regime was not given the directive to move on from some of the aging expensive veterans that they had that they could move on from so what they had to do was double down on those guys to free up cap space just so they could even Bring in a Zadarius Smith, a Jesse David, like some of these guys. Like they, they didn't even have the flexibility before that. So they had to create some of that flexibility. And so they don't have anything additional to like hand. Like you can't go give five plus million dollar contract Someone's average per year to somebody right now. Yeah. Flip's, Flip's delivered this show. <laughs> and Bo, that was a banger. I didn't want that to get missed. That last comment from Bo, well done, well done. But I, oh, I got some more comments here because people are saying we have to have a, a, a right guard. We have to have a cornerback. What happens if we don't? What What is have to? What Why is it a must? What actually happens to this team if they trot out these bad cornerbacks? They're going to go out they there. Might the the defenses. They might miss the playoffs. <laughs> Defense is going to fall apart. And who? how many people are going to get fired? Nobody. Nobody's getting fired. So don't tell me they have well, to do anything. They, they drafted Wyatt Davis in the third round last year. I know this. the new regime did not do this, but Wyatt Davis was a third-round pick last year. 
and they just signed Jesse Davis. I, I think the problem people have is they're not the guys that they want the Vikings to bring in. But it's clear the Vikings brought have a couple guys at that position that they feel you could say comfortable with competing for that right guard spot. And the, the best guys that they view win, is going to win. And the Vikings fans are going to have to deal with it. Like, <laughs> we're just going to have to deal. It's going to be Jesse Davis or Wyatt Davis or maybe a, like a mid to late round draft pick, depending on like where they go with that position. Otherwise, it's going to be between those two. And you hope one of those guys can be serviceable. Cornerback uh, is a whole different was story. Is there anything else? <laughs> is a whole different story. Is there story. anything else you yeah, wanted to that, fire at? I mean, that's what we want. Halfway through last season, Vikings fans were begging to see Wyatt Davis, and the old regime refused to put him in there. Vikings fans were even begging to see Kellen Mond in an organized start. And, you know, that that fill-in duty didn't go so well, but Vikings fans wanted to see that. So we do know how to appreciate young players. We do know how to watch yeah. the come-up. We saw Justin Jefferson do it. We saw Adam Thielen do it. Vikings fans love Cameron Dantzler. We saw Eric Kendricks do it. We do know how to see young players grow into bigger roles. And that is going to be the story of the entire 2022 season. So we can be excited about that and not demand that they sign some name recognition at cornerback or right guard. Right. Well, and I, love it. I uh, think the, peop- the, the part that people are missing too is the main core of this team is in place right now. They might add a couple pieces in free agency, like to like lesser deals. They'll add guys in the draft, but the core for 2022 is here. Like you're go look at the Vikings roster. That's the core of the team for 2022. So I think we got to get this idea that yes, they might get some contribution from the rookies, which is a good thing. Like you want that, you want good contribution from rookies, but don't expect like a Justin Jefferson level type of contribution from rookies. Like, you're not you're you're likely not going to get that. The percentage of that happening is very low. So, the hope at that point is is you can get some of the, some of those rookies to fill in some of those spots for the future. It's about the future, people. Like the draft is about the future. Don't focus on right now with the draft picks. Like, yes, they might play, and you probably will need them to. But focus on the future. So, if you see the Vikings draft a defensive end in the first round, it's because it's about the future. It's not just about right now. They need to focus on loading the roster up for the future because the core is already here. And we're in agreement that the core is already here. 2022 is going to be up in the air. But Flip, you you took the words right out of my mouth. The comments are are, are on point. Jake coming through, letting all y'all know that you need to turn salary cap mode back (laughs) on when you're playing your Madden franchise was clutch. Bo, couple (laughs) bangers in a row here. Yeah. Cheap one-year rentals is way better than expensive one-year rentals. Bo, love it. Definitely on that. And Jonas coming through, letting us know uh, that Ole Udo might hold on to the job because he's so good at holding. You know, a joke that everyone's dad would be proud of coming through from Jonas all the way on the other side of the ocean. So, y'all, keep them coming. Keep the uh, the comments going. We love to see all of them here. Uh, we've gone through most of the things that we wanted to cover in 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 the in the show notes here. So just uh, your last thing, and it was, you know, a bit, I don't know if it was controversial, but people kind of like look sideways about it, given like all the needs people are talking about here. I want to come back to Miles' take last week about wide receiver, 
Because again, you know, same uh, article I read earlier this week said that's one of the, p- the positions you can get the highest surplus value on if you hit on them in the first round. Over the more recent years, more and more teams are figuring out how to incorporate rookie, rookie, uh, rookie wide receivers and get performance from them you know, early on. And so uh, you know, in the spirit of best player available, Flip, I didn't get your take on this. What are your thoughts on them continuing to go and potentially load up on the offensive side of the ball by adding offensive skill players early in this upcoming draft? Oh, I would love it. You know, the running back room is already stacked, in my opinion. We've got one too many players there. So no need to go wide receiver, but, or sorry, no need to go running back, but all the other offensive skill positions are on the table. And that includes quarterback for me. Wide receiver, especially, I think they should draft wide receiver with two out of their seven picks right now. I would love to see a tight end as well later on in the draft to pair with Irv Smith Jr. Um, It is the easiest way to get excited about 2022 and the future is build a new young core. I mean, look what the Cincinnati Bengals did last year. So much talk about Penny Sewell or Jamar Chase. They already had, you know, T Higgins. They had just struck out on Tyler Bo- or sorry on um yeah, uh not Tyler Boyd, who was that other uh god, I can't remember his name. That that Bengals wide receiver that didn't pan out, but they just kept on going AJ, back AJ to the well because No, it was uh, <laughs> oh my god. Oh, my God. I'm not going to remember that buck-ass wide receiver's name. It's all good. They uh, got Boyd. They got uh, T. Higgins. They got Burrow. They got Chase. All young. We see what you're saying. All young. Load up. Joe Mixon's a captain, you know, four years later. Um, yeah, Ross. There we go. Ross. Oh, John uh, Ross. Yeah, yeah. So, John oh, Ross. He's a cornerback now. Right you confused us. So that's what you do. And, and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that rather than, you know, trying to fill a need at a less important position on the team. So go at, go at wide receivers. Take two would be my dream. I love it. Okay. Miles outside of wide receiver, what's another unconventional position that you would be ecstatic if the Vikings went after them in, in round one or like just early round one, round two. Ecstatic is a tough word. Um, excited. I mean, like I said, excited earlier, that. Yeah. Well, again, future thinking here. I, it obviously depends on how the board falls, but I do think like we we look at edge rusher in this new scheme. I think we what we need to. There's a difference now between what defensive end and your like outside edge rushers are. Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith are your outside linebacker edge rushers. They're from the wide nine. They're on the outside. Stand up, you know, those are the, those guys. Your three core interior defensive linemen, you have a defensive tackle slash nose tackle, and then you have two defensive ends. That's kind of the crux of, of how that formation looks. You can mix and match and, and do all that stuff, right? But they, they're still missing another defensive end. And I think, so you have Harrison Phillips in the middle, and you'll have uh, Dalvin Tomlinson at one defensive end position. You're missing another defensive end position right there. Yeah. And so. I they got Armand Watts. Do we? I don't know where he's gonna play. Is he? Is that where he's playing? Like I don't know these things. Flip. We don't know those answers. Yeah. And so that's what I'm trying to say, though, is like there. We don't know a lot of what the what they view 
the position for some of these guys. Like, so maybe that's a spot that goes early that we just don't think about because there's there, yeah. they need us. Dalvin Tomlinson is, is in a contract year as well. So, like, sure. again, future thinking, how do we replace some of these guys that are expensive now but replace them for the long term? So that's why, like you mentioned, Flip, wide receiver. I'm always on, the, on board with that because you're going to have to pay Justin Jefferson eventually. Adam Thielen's getting older yeah, and he's right. expensive still. Like, <laughs> you're going to need to find replacements long term for some of these guys. Maybe safety. Like, it, I think, did I see someone mention uh, Hamilton? Like, if for some reason he fell. I'm not yeah. saying they should do it. But, like, he's a really good player. Don't pass on really good players. Like, if he becomes the best player available and you take a safety, take him because he's really freaking good. What about that. what about this punt god? Punt god. I hear, I hear this punt is getting some height. Yep. Would, would <laughs> we'll you break your rule for the punt god? Late, late round? No? Okay, but before we go, one last thing here no. so Dave doesn't, doesn't fight me when we get off the air. Uh, Dave, can you throw up the graphic that you just downloaded, like, in mid-show, just so we can just, like, show where the Vikings are in terms of spend on O-line versus the expectations? Is this the one that we're talking about? Oh, my good. See, like, Dave, doing this in real time, uh, maybe the comments are right, and maybe right guard is the way that we need to go in the opening round here because it's looking like the Vikings' projected uh, performance is not looking great, but, you know, who knows? But we're also not spending a lot. So I guess cheap and bad is a lot better than expensive and bad. Um, but that's where we're going to be. So, Dave, thank you for pulling that up real time, ripping the news off hey. the Internet and throwing it up here so that we can. Flip, hey. what you got to say? Doesn't this feel good, y'all? Jason Miles, does this week not feel better than whatever happened last Every week, week. On, the, on In the Huddle? Every week Come when on, we have man. you here, they all feel good to me. People argue it in the comments. That's fun. Right. Me arguing with you after the I show. Good. I, also fun. I don't. I don't I'm good it. every week, Flip. With, every week, every I don't show. Issue last week. Last week was fun. It's yeah, funny. We said great. the same things this week that we said last week. Flip. Uh, Flip. Did the Vikings get better? Put a smile on our face this week. Flip. Did the Vikings, <laughs> did the Vikings get better at any position this week? No. No, but we have a different attitude. No. I mean, I was we got different attitude points this week. We, we, <laughs> we don't got a rehash. Th- what was he talking about? He was talking about some Trey Wayne's BS, like giving Mike Zimmer credit for coaching up Trey Wayne's and saying that the new regime couldn't do that. That's the same dude who was hating on Trey Wayne's for three years. So, like, what are we doing here? I mean, if you want to find a reason to hate, oh, oh, gonna oh, find oh you're looking to hate. settle scores with Eric. We're saying the same thing about I'm the team. Saying, They're not going to be good in 2022. I'm saying the. Okay, but the fans recognize it too. The fans appreciate the optimism that is happening this week, and I know y'all do Wait, too. You talked you talked pretty pessimistically tonight, and I like, and I'm fine yeah, with Flip, it. I Flip's been no talking out of both it. sides of his mouth all off season, talking about the Vikings are going to be hot what garbage. What are you talking about? With a smile on his face is not optimism. <laughs> no. Yes, it is. Talking about the young players on the team is optimism. That is optimism. You don't want to talk about the young players on the team. You don't think they're going to be good, but you just said it in a different way. (laughs) I think that's like... It's not optimistic. You think they're going to stink. That is optimistic. Just say you think they're going to flip. You think they're going to stink. No, you're okay with... I think think You're okay with the direction that they've gone to still be bad. Yes. That's fine. Yes. 
Yes. Okay. But they're still so going to agree. Be the Vikings bad. aren't going to be good next season. <laughs> so, like, I think I don't think it needs I, to be I, like. I a, mean, you have. I, yeah. I I just don't think it does any service <laughs> to whine about Trey Wayne's for twenty minutes. Oh, I don't care about who. So cares the Vikings about are going to be bad. Yeah. No. The Vikings are All right. going to be fine. They're going to be mediocre. The Vikings are going to be flexible. And the question no, no, is, no, they are going to be bad. No, I, no, I think uh, be Vegas <laughs> came be out today, giving them a nine-win total. <laughs> That's the deal. I did think that was surprising. I did think that was surprising. Nine, nine wins is the over/under. Dave, right now. are you betting the uh, under or the over? Oh. Well, and, that, exactly. Exactly. and Eric says, "Put now your money where your mouth is." Um, the deal is, we've Thank got a new you, regime. Bo. Thank what, you, Bo. Uh, we have a new regime, and you got to start with that new regime basically from zero. Yes, everybody that – 95% of the team's back, so we know how we look there. But how they're going to utilize we them, we don't really know yet because we haven't seen it. That's where no, some no, of the they, optimism they can yet. come in. They may not know. They You're 100% know right. They don't Richard, know yet. Now, be under. where Flip's optimism comes in is that he hopes to see that we get a bunch of – see a bunch of young – players and how they may fit into 2023 2024 right because we don't think we're going to be more than maybe fighting for that wild card spot that's fine but we have we have the goal now Vegas set it at nine games can we beat that and let's judge this new staff and new regime (laughs) on that nine if they can beat it great if they can't it wasn't all Zim and Spielman's fault then Either way, nobody's getting fired. Either way, nobody's getting fired. Betting slips, betting slips from everybody before the season starts. But that's it. <laughs> that's the show. David, what's coming up for the rest of the week? <laughs> Tomorrow night, we have Vikings Happy Hour back at Lake Monster Brewing. We are tweaking our equipment, upgrading to go from what we had last week, which was a good show, but we need to get a little bit better. Uh, Matt Lang wants to get the the audio pumped into the whole brewery. Miles, you're going to be there tomorrow night, right? Nope, I won't be there tomorrow. Oh man, you're going to miss out on some great beer. And uh, I, I had just literally just drank some. I saw that, but you know, you were there last week. You had the Thank beer you, kept Donnie. flowing and flowing go, and flowing. Um, Thank you, Donnie. What's Donnie saying? I missed it. Um, Y'all, they don't they don't play a West Coast game next year. It's miserable. I got to really. I got to fly to. I got to fly to what like Tennessee or Philadelphia if I want to go see a game. It's not not uh, great. Tennessee's not bad. Philadelphia. I'm pessimistic no. about that. That's cool. Um, also, the whole deal at uh, Lake Monster Brewing is in preparation for the big live draft show on day two from the brewery. We're live for the draft every day of the draft. We're already lining up guests, plugging in time slots. It's a big extravaganza. I think last year, I'm trying to remember how many hours we put in. It was like 70 hours worth of broadcast it was up there um we'll do the same this year and it should be just as fun and then thursday night flip isn't eric on vacation or something like that or do you have a show i don't there 
There are no hot takes. Nothing has happened. Okay. Other than the ones you gave tonight. <laughs> and uh, and then, of course, on Saturday, you get me and Darren for the two old blog. Word. We love it. Flip's betting the under. And uh, that's it. That's the show. Dave, play the music. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. <laughs>